Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 30 of the Manly Hanley Podcast. This is the podcast with no limits on what we'll cover. I'm your host, Randy. Have a snack, sit back, and relax. This episode was recorded on Sunday, December 27th, 2020. It's the last episode of the year. So I hope you've had a Merry Christmas or a Happy Holiday season in general thus far. Uh, Just checking in. Um, Really wasn't going to do an episode today because, I mean, it's just busy for these last couple weeks, spending time with family. and um, But I do have some downtime tonight on Sunday, so that's kind of works out. Um, I got a few minutes to record a little blurb here. Blurb. But uh, yeah, just today going to, you know, kind of start where I left off the last couple episodes. And it's basically, you know, I've been building up into this whole getting away from Google thing, Linux, freedom, blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. Um, still kind of, I've been obsessed with that lately. And not to the point where I just cut off everything and make this big change because it's impossible for me, especially when I've been so invested in these services that are so convenient and free and everywhere. Um, I mean, even authentication on websites uses Google on so many websites, Facebook as well, like this global auth- authorization, um, authentication, I'm, 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 I should say. Um, but I just want to talk about more of what I'm doing. Just the, like, this is just what I'm doing, what makes sense lately for me, um, getting, getting um, slowly merging into this, these changes because I can't just cut off all these things. And I mean, sure I could, but then I'm going to be like, oh, did I delete this? Did I, did I lose this? All my pictures, they're all gone. Like it was a big journey getting rid of my Google photos. I haven't uploaded to Google photos in weeks now. It's, it's crazy to think this. I've been uploading to that since, I don't know, was it 2011 when Google plus kind of developed Google photos for the service. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, our Picasa, if you, if any of you are old enough to remember, I guess, Picasa web albums, all that stuff. I don't use any of that anymore. I don't even use my Gmail. It just forwards to my, basically let's, let's start with Gmail. Let's, let's tell you, let me tell you how I got rid of my email of 14, how many years, 14 years, 20, something like that. I, I I still have the address because I want, you know, I don't want somebody else having that address, I guess, with my full name on it. But I, what I did was I basically set up this Randy at randyhanley.com email, the email I use for the podcast and just my general identity online nowadays. I forward all of my Gmails to automatically, like automatically forward them all, forward all emails to this new email address and then send them to the deleted folder in Gmail. What that does, yeah, it seems like, why do you want emails in two spots? I thought you were getting rid of Gmail. I am, but 14 years of emails, so many you know spam lists I've signed up for not even knowing, or just giving out my email, or things that are important, like bills, like my electrical bill still was going to my Gmail until last week. So as those emails flow into my forwarded to email, which is my email that I want to be my identity for the rest of my life, um... That kind of gives me an alert to go back to the Gmail and, you know, just realize, oh, I still didn't change that account over. So I'll go log into my utility account, change the email address to the new email address, and then I can, you know, over time, over the next couple of years, it's going to take a while. Over the next couple of years, I'll finally have it to where no more emails are coming forwarded from my Gmail, and then I don't need it all together. 
and I can just, you know, have the app on my phone maybe just to, you know, kind of check in so it's showing that I still own the email or just log into my browser on the computer and delete the app from my phone altogether. So that's my plans. So that gets me out of the Gmail uh, ecosystem, I guess, the Google ecosystem somewhat because I've already done Google Photos, like I mentioned, and I'm using a local solution called Synology. Uh, Synology, Synology Photos um, is going to be the newest version of their photo. And it's basically a knockoff of Google Photos, but it's yours. You own everything. Google's not scanning your face. They're keeping their dirty paws out of it. So that's really cool. And my email's not being scanned as much when I, once I'm fully in control of it. Um, you know, so my emails aren't being scanned to advertise to me. I don't want that. I don't want Google. I don't want Google knowing everything about me. I, I knew for years they did. And that's my own fault for, you know, agreeing to it. But um, a lot of good things came out of Gmail, but it really hasn't gotten better to make things easier for me in the last few years. When it, when it was, when it first came out, Gmail was, I mean, yeah, nothing like it. It was, it's, can't deny it was amazing. And it still is a great email service. It's got decent spam protection. I wouldn't say it's the best out there anymore. It was for a decade at least. Nothing compared to it. But heck, my Microsoft email filters emails better than Google, in my opinion. I, I get a lot more spam in my Gmail now. Um, so it's even more worthless to me. You think that a site that is the biggest indexer or search engine in the world by far would be better at differentiating spam but they're not in an email like they used to be in my in my opinion it, it doesn't feel like it anyway and i'm not signing up for any more junk lately so what else am i doing to you know where does my internet you know independence begin i guess and i even wrote in my notes here i wrote where my dependence begins well i don't want that i want independence uh so i should i have to correct that because i'm staring right at it as my show title Shows you how much I put uh, planning into this episode. But where does the internet independence begin? So what I've done, um, I've already mentioned the email and photos. I think that's a big one because there's a lot of information being scanned in those photos. You're tagging the people in the photos. It's memorizing every aspect of their face. To me, that's creepy at this point. Uh, and it works really well. Um, but, I mean, that's cool. It's it's convenient, right? It's, a, it's, it's easy to sell something that's convenient. But... Um, you can do that locally. Now, my Synology NAS in my house does the face scanning and lets me name the people, and it doesn't get outside of my house uh, unless I choose to do an off-site backup, which I probably will, but I'm going to encrypt it before it goes off-site. They're not going to be crawling through it for data. It's going to be encrypted, and it might be stored on a Backblaze server somewhere. Backblaze has some really incredible pricing, by the way. I've been researching this on the side, and so far I can't find anything better for the price. Yeah, there's Amazon Glacier, but for immediate access to your data, I think Backblaze is really cool. Um, side note, and this is this is in case you're planning on you know backing up your own setup if you want to do the same thing I'm doing. I'm probably going to go with Back Backblaze because they're so cool. They'll like even give you up to like I think it's like an eight or ten terabyte drive if your if your stuff was to crash in your house. They'll be like, hey, you need your stuff fast. We'll send you the drive. They'll send you the freaking drive to plug in and recover your data. Who does that? I don't. I don't know. I, not many people. I, I mean, yeah, enterprise companies, but their rates are like totally prosumer, consumer friendly. Like it's amazing. My cat's biting at Kleenexes on my desk at this uh, paper towel. What are you doing, Vic? Here, you want the you want the Kleenex? Here, go. He's now he's jumping on the floor after it. I thought I'd get it out of his face. 
So the next thing I did after Google and whatever, after de-Googling, I'm still doing that, but that's that's an ongoing project, right? It's so hard when you started with Google in 2004. The next thing I did was think about the domain I have. Think if you have a domain. You, you probably have a website, right? If you have a business or you just wanted a website, buy a domain. Buy any domains you can that you think are unique to you. Like mine's randyhanley.com. Yeah, that's unique. It was available, so I bought it. Now, I also bought another domain because. I just bought it because. Uh, the screen name I tend to use on a lot of sites um, is Randrums, which is a stupid screen name that I came up with years ago. Like Randy and drums combined. Yeah, I don't know. Nobody would say that to me. Hey, Randrums, what's up? Nobody's ever said that to me in my life, but it's easy and it's short. I use it on Twitter, right? As I say in the show every episode, I bought that domain, randrums.com. Nobody wanted it. I did, apparently, so I went and bought it. It's like $8 a year on if you go to like namecheap.com, and I'll link all these in the show notes. Go buy up some domain names. Maybe you Maybe you have a business idea. And you didn't even start with it yet, but you want you just want to know that you're safe from somebody else taking it before you just buy up the domain name. I'm not talking about being reckless and buy up, you know, people were doing that in the 90s, right? Like buying up domain names and selling them for millions. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. But I'm just saying, if you really have an idea or something that you've always talked about for years about doing and you just want to own the name to it. Not legally yet. Just just have the domain for yourself. Buy it. It's like eight bucks a, uh, a year on Namecheap.com, and they I think they have a ten percent sale for some certain things. And if you don't necessarily feel like you have to get a .dot com, they even have like ninety percent off deals for like .dot you know AI or .dot IO, like different weird, less common domain extensions. So that's what I recommend. And once you buy the name, set up your name servers to point to Cloudflare, and I won't have to explain this all in depth because I could do videos on this, but I'm not going to. I mean, if I know, you know, you know me in person, you want me to show you, walk you through it, I'll help you out. But basically, once you buy the domain name, log into, set up an account with Cloudflare, um, and I'll link to them. And then they have a free plan. They don't make it as prominent. There's like three plans that are like, you know, 20 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, 200 bucks, whatever. There's a free one that's still awesome. And then you point that to your you go, you log into whatever, wherever you purchased your domain, like Namecheap, like I'm recommending, and you just paste in two little addresses. That's the name servers for Cloudflare. And once you paste those in, eh, within five, 10 minutes, usually could take up to 24 hours, usually five, 10 minutes, it will say Cloudflare is now managing your DNS. And that's where you get some more power. Um, you can get your site to load faster with some certain types of compression. You can, um, what else can you do? You can uh, proxy your uh, subdomains if you wanted to, which that means, say I wanted to take a domain, uh, randyhanley.com, or or let's do, let's do, let's pretend you set up football squares and you want to host it on your home server. I don't know what the, who the heck would do that, but football.randyhanley.com. I could forward that domain to a local server in my house running on a NAS box and hide the address by proxying it through Cloudflare. And they do this. Um, you can like just make it so it's proxied and it won't show your home IP address because believe me, there are people out there that know way more about computers and hacking than I do that would be glad to hack into my, my home network. And I see it every day, um, on my, my dashboard 
panel of my a security appliance at my house. Like I got like five yesterday from China and, and uh, Hong Kong, um, t- uh, Taiwan, trying to hack into my network. Totally trying to. And I have the, the uh, threshold pretty low, so it just automatically blocks them. But kind of scary to think about. But it's happening. And I didn't go anywhere and give out that IP address, but somebody found it. <laughs> so it just tells you, you want to be really careful. But um, that's why I use these Cloudflare um, um, option. And I'll tell you what else I do with it. I'll get a little more technical here, but not too much. Um, so what I'm getting at is you could buy something like a NAS, like I talked about a couple, I don't know, a couple episodes ago, maybe. And that's just, just think of it as, for anybody that's never seen one, think of an external hard drive that has a network card in it. That's the most easy explanation I can come with, come up with. You know, not like just like a plugging with the USB cable, but with a network cable. But you can host these little mini, you know, web applications in it. You can do more than just an external hard drive. And they're only like a few hundred dollars. Super powerful for what you can do. Sure, you could buy a Raspberry Pi and set up, um, you know, Raspberry Pi server and, you can chain them together, do like a cluster of pies. But that's that's for a lot of people. They don't want to waste their time with that. They just want to buy something like a NAS maybe. And like a company that I first recommend would be Synology. Uh, Aaron, a colleague of mine, Aaron, I'm not going to say your full name on here, but uh, you were the first one to recommend Synology to me years ago, my first IT job and stuck in my head. And I end up going with them. They're still great. I mean, they're amazing for the money. I think it's a Taiwanese company and they are just amazing. Um, super awesome software, rock solid. They run well. And I bought one. Um, didn't think I was going to, I've been selling stuff. I didn't want to plan on buying more stuff. And you could set up one of these little NAS boxes in your house and just first off, you know, back up all your photos, whatever you want to it, tons of space, depending on how much hard drive storage you purchase with it. And then you could set up something like NGINX. That's NGINX. That's just, that's how it's spelled. Nginx, I guess, proxy manager. It's a reverse proxy. So what that does is it allows you to allow something to come into your house from the internet without opening up ports, per se, on your router. So you don't want to open up ports on your router if you do not have to. That's just the, that's like the 101 of all internet security. Just keep the ports closed unless you absolutely have to open it. So with that little software on my network, I use my Synology or my Cloudflare account to forward to the IP address of my house. And when it reaches the IP address of my house, it's going to talk to that NGINX proxy server uh, manager. And all these things run very easily, like with a couple lines of code on your Synology NAS, if you want them to. Um, you can even run them on a laptop if you wanted to, but I run it on my Synology NAS, right? Um, in this example. Um, it's a little more complicated than that in my home setup, but I'm just telling you what you can do if you like. Um, so then that external, you know, website, if somebody's going to my Cloudflare account, say my randyhanley.com slash NAS or whatever, and it routes right to NGINX proxy manager in my house. And that proxy manager is only going to allow that person to talk directly to whatever server I want to talk to the internet. Nothing else. No port numbers shown in that in that address. And also it's proxied through Cloudflare. They're hiding the address of my home because I do not want to give that out. And that so you have to because these things you have to understand, probably anybody listening to the show or I think just about anybody I know is not going to be as I'm going to say capable. I'm not, you know, saying that nobody's good at security, but these companies like Google and Microsoft, they have engineers 
um, security uh, like penetration experts, the best out there working around the clock because they have to keep millions of accounts safe. I mean, it's it's a big job. So me just protecting my NAS, I'm not going to have a team of like that protecting my NAS. So what I'm saying is you want to keep it as locked down as possible. Don't just start opening things up. But this is the first step to me just trying it out. Now, if somebody does infiltrate my network, they're only going to get the first few albums that I backed up that are available on a network. So I have a couple albums in there of Christmas pictures, and I'll learn my lesson, right? But this NGINX proxy manager method that I'm using, I have pretty strong confidence that it's very safe because I'm not opening up ports. Because just like I said, one security 101, don't open up any ports unless you absolutely have to. Like maybe port, I mean, there's obvious ports like 443 and like, like HTTPS and 80 for HTTP, I guess. Hopefully I don't listen back to the show and hear that I said those wrong because sometimes when I'm talking, I'm not thinking. So, <laughs> but I'm, hopefully I said that right. But um, that's what I'm doing. And I think that's the first step to safely get away from all of this this you know, these huge corporations owning all of our data, not even owning, just abusing it, I guess, because I own it still, like, like I've said in other episodes. And on another note, um, I still haven't gotten rid of OneNote. Like I said, it's, it's a, it's a hard journey. I'm using OneNote still right now. And I don't know if I ever will. Um, I do have a cool app that came with the Synology NAS and it's called NoteStation, Synology NoteStation. And it's, it's incredible. But not as robust as OneNote. Still can't top it. Doesn't even touch it. Doesn't run as well as it. It's in a browser. It's not a full. I mean, I you, they have a desktop app, but it's just not the same. There's still a little clunkiness to it. Um, it, because they don't have the development that Microsoft has. But I, I'm experimenting with other Note taking apps that are in browser that are a little more lean. Um, there's bear, I guess there's, or there's turtle. There's ones that are like, kind of like Evernote knockoffs. I don't want an Evernote knockoff. I want a OneNote knockoff. That's almost as good as OneNote or as good. And I still haven't gotten, gotten there yet. I'm almost going to consider this again. And it's something I've done in the past because Linux does this very well. And it's called desktop templates or folder templates where you can right click on a folder. And when you go to new, you can say from a template, not sure why Windows still has not adopted this yet, but it's awesome because it lets you have a template folder and every time you right click and go to create something new from a template, it copies the template over and lets you name it as a new document. Super awesome to your workflow. So I'm considering running a Linux desktop mainly for my podcast and, you know, I guess content note creation and note taking. And then in the browser, using something like the maybe Nextcloud or Synology uh, note-taking app. Not note-taking app, what do you call it? Like their OneDrive equivalent. And I'm still learning this stuff. It's called Synology Drive Client. It's just like OneDrive. It's awesome. And just creating the notes in there as standalone open document format. So like, you know, Microsoft Word, but the open Office Writer kind of thing. LibreOffice Writer, whatever. Because we know that in... 50 years, you'll be able to open that file and read it. It's not proprietary. It's not a bunch of code. Yeah, sure, it's rich text format, but it's nothing super hard that we wouldn't be able to figure out, you know, decades down the line. And who who might even read my my uh, podcast notes in 30 years from now? They might be like, what is this? this is ancient stuff, man. But it's, it's cool anyways, just to know that I can have these options and they're free. So 
I'd like to thank you for putting time aside to listen to the podcast. I just wanted to get this quick blurb out there before uh, the new year. Um, before I fully tune out, I just wanted to say that I didn't, I guess I almost met all of my goals for this year for the podcast. If you remember a year ago, I mentioned I was going to have interview more guests and stuff. Well, the pandemic happened, as you know, but I did interview Sophia, if you remember my niece, <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Um, so thanks Sophia for, uh, helping us reach the goal here for the podcast. Uh, maybe we'll do some more interviews this uh, year with some family and, Hopefully the world opens back up where I can interview people, other people outside of the family. <laughs> so that's really cool, though. I appreciate, uh, you know, reaching those goals um, for the new year. Just uh, trying to be healthier. That's a big goal I need to work harder on this year. And uh, going to continue the podcast. Not going to give up. It's a lot of fun. And I appreciate everyone for listening. Thanks. Have a great weekend and happy new year uh, next week. Bye.